Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine. Today's guest is Svetlana Kamyshanskaya of Premium Law Group. Premium Law Group is right here in San Francisco, and I have the pleasure of knowing Svetlana personally. She's dynamic and beautiful and bright and wonderful, so I would like to introduce her to you today. Svetlana, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Good morning, Susan. It's so good to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you, but I want my listeners to know you as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, as you said, I'm a lawyer. I'm an international business lawyer. I started my legal career 20 years ago in Russia. In 2006, I was honored to participate in training program <clears throat> organized by Center for Citizens Initiatives in San Francisco that was financed by the U.S. State Department. And it was the first time when I visited the U.S. That program basically changed my life was extremely educational and it really broadened my horizons and this program introduced me to the legal system in the U.S. but besides that the program introduced me to the concepts of diversity and equality and those concepts didn't really exist in Russia at that time. For instance the law school I graduated from uh, had a 10% cap on female students. Oh my. Yeah um, so <clears throat> But the best thing about that program was that uh, that program led me to my first international client. Uh, when I was in San Francisco, the San Francisco-based lawyer who was representing the international fund approached me because he was looking for the legal counsel in Sochi, Russia, where I practiced law at that time. And soon after that, Sochi was announced to be a Olympic capital uh, for 2014. So a lot of international clients and companies uh, became interested in conducting business in, the, in that city, in um, Sochi. Since then, I started assisting business and expanding their operations to different countries and leveraging different jurisdictions. So eventually, just because I got involved in international business, I decided to get my law degree in the U.S., I went to Berkeley Law School and got my master's degree in business law and moved back to Russia after that. So my intention, initial intention was to change the system and to make a difference in my country. But I soon realized that my capacities are limited and I wouldn't be able to do that from within the country. So I decided to give it a chance and moved to the US initially just for a few months and just I saw the potential and I kept to that. Let me ask my... you a question if you don't mind. So <clears throat> you came to Berkeley Law School, you did quite well, you thought you would take all the good things you learned here and all the brilliance you already knew, the things that you have in your head, the intellect, the capacity to learn new things and that which you already could surmise, back to Russia, but you found that it wasn't as valued. Is that because of gender inequality or? 
Gender inequality is definitely one of the factors. Another factor is that it's really hard to fight with a system when you're within the system. So, ah, gotcha. That makes sense to me. I understand now. So that was curious to me, considering what I do for a living. So interesting. So we are so happy that you decided to come back here to the United States. It's really wonderful to have such um, a person with a global worldview representing people here in San Francisco and beyond. So tell us more. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I had to ask that question. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my sh short story. And since I moved here, I had been working. Initially, I had been working for uh, international business development company, and my role was to assist uh, international foreign companies coming to the U.S. And the consulting company I worked for provided the uh, full service to those companies and I wore multiple hats. I was a lawyer at the same time. I did a lot of legal project management and business project management. And uh, three years ago, I decided that I, I had enough business in my life and I want to practice law and just do that. And then I started my law firm. I think it's, oh my, I, I just have to say this. So I think it's really, you may not recognize this because you're on the inside, but from an outsider's perspective and someone who definitely knows the difference between the practice of law and the business of law, I think it's hugely beneficial that you have been involved in business and you know business, yet you still practice law and understand the law. You can speak the language of the client. You understand their day-to-day -day operations. You know legal project management. Uh, I think this is the kind of lawyer that most clients look for today is someone who not just knows the law, but knows their business and their day-to-day -day concerns. So I think that's fantastic. Um, maybe you don't recognize that about you, but wow, that's terrific. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Fr Frankly, that's what I had in mind when I started my practice. So I definitely wanted to speak the language uh, of my clients and I wanted to offload that legal burden that they had to have to handle from my clients so they can keep focus on their business and evolve and grow. Yeah. So that way the business person who is your client can focus on their core competencies and not have to try to learn the law. You can cover that for them. Um, yeah, I, I would trust you totally with that, frankly. And folks, I actually have gone to Svetlana for advice with my own now successful uh, new business. Um, so I, I do trust her totally. She's easy to work with. She understands she's a Thank great you. listener. Um, and I love her global perspective and open mind. Let me ask you this, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? I would say that my law practice in California, my law firm, Premium Law Group, is something I'm the most proud of at this point. As I mentioned before, uh, before I left Russia, I had a very successful law practice there. But building the practice there is very different than it is here, as you can imagine. In yeah. the U.S., I faced skepticism as a foreigner and had very few clients initially. 
people saw me at risk. I had no connections and very few past clients to vouch for me, my integrity, skills, and results. I had to work hard to build a solid reputation in the U.S. and Russia. I had family connection and support, so that's a huge difference. I was hard. I had a hard time to convince clients here that I could indeed take complex cases, despite the fact that I am a female and I'm a foreigner. But yeah. I knew that if I kept banking on my skills and knowledge. I could still build my practice. And I like the Disney World saying, if you can dream it, you can do that. That's what I did. And uh, it has been three years since I started and I could not be happier. I have to say, you definitely have fortitude because you did face some struggles, I would imagine, being from another country. And yes, you've mastered English beautifully, I will say that. but. I know how people think. They say, oh, she can't possibly empathize or understand or step into my shoes. Um, but yet you have. You have done it. You have pushed hard and been, uh, you know, determined and proven yourself. And now three years later, here you are with a very successful firm in San Francisco doing business who do business around the, doing business with people who do business around the world. So I think yeah. that's amazing. I think uh, taking the fact that I do a lot of international transactions, my international experience and background helps me a lot to understand the pain of growth for the foreign companies and foreign uh, entrepreneurs. Exactly. You've lived it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, who has been, I'm sure you've had many, but let's focus on one or two mentors in your life. I should say that I'm very lucky and I met amazing people along the way and a lot of people were willing uh, to help me. Uh, but I want to talk about my father. Uh, he was the one who inspired me for many things. And he, my father is an attorney and he worked as an agent of change in the 80s during the time called Perestroika in Russia. He helped Russian organization transition from a common economy to a free market economy. And through my father's work, I quickly realized the importance of business law and the need for people with skills to help businesses and just adjust to new ways, new markets, and new cultures. He inspired me um, to do my legal research. I did uh, legal research and wrote my dissertation on uh, property rights and limitation on property rights. And he also taught me the most important thing in my life, I think, uh, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And from young age, I internalized the concept that growth and comfort do not coexist. So that's something I've learned when I was young. So I'm thankful think, to my dad. I think that's incredible. So I am 53. I am familiar with perestroika. I was familiar with the political landscape back then. Why don't you just quickly, briefly, and in, in layman's terms, tell the audience who might be a younger audience, um, what did that mean? That was a big deal. I mean, that was a huge... Uh, transition uh, in you know political thinking and and you know actually global thinking about Russia and its place in the in the in the global on the global stage you know the whole 
time in, in the political landscape there. So tell us a little bit about what that meant. I, I mean, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, so basically before Perestroika, all businesses were state-owned and we didn't have a concept of private property at all. So basically everything was um, belonged to state. And after that, <clears throat> during the Perestroika period, uh, entrepreneurs, people got a chance to become owners of their property, taking the real estate properties and business as well. So they were able to participate in privatization the process when they basically turn their um, state-owned businesses into privately held companies and that's what my father was heavily involved in and was very interested i was really watching the process and what a yeah. fascinating paradigm shift and i think a lot of listeners take for granted what we know to be our freedoms <laughs> and would never even imagine you know yeah way of life so thank you for explaining that to the to the listeners who may not be my age or have that you know I studied international law I've studied global this that and the other so that's just something fascinating to me that maybe those who haven't would appreciate your brief explanation so let me ask you this I think it's great that your father has been your your inspirational mentor is he still around to see you succeed Yes, he is a professor in law in Russia. He still teaches business law and uh, property law in Russia. Wow, wow. He must be so proud of you. I know you're proud of him. That's incredible. Does he ever come visit? Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, well, you know that I'm all about lifting women and how women should lift each other up and enough with this mean girl <laughs> stuff and that we really should... Um, you know, do what we can to change the system so that the system welcomes women in business because we do bring unique ideas and different ways of doing business to the table. How do you think we should support one another? First of all, I, I, I want to say that I really appreciate work that you do in order to educate us and help us to be more helpful to each other. And I strongly believe that each and everyone can do something in order to make a difference. As you know, I am involved with two women organizations and one is uh, Leading Women in Technology. Another one is the Club of Silicon Valley. Both organizations are nonprofit that advances uh, women in business. I think and, it's fantastic you donate your time and your talent and your skills and your intellect to those groups they're both fantastic groups yeah and the reason why i do that because i know how important it is and i know just because i, I came from russia where these type of organizations do not exist and i can see that just by doing small pieces of work we can make a huge difference just by supporting each other and definitely, I would say that it, it's incredibly important for women to pay attention and try to support and lift each other. And it's not necessarily about referring business or advancing the career. Sometimes we just need somebody to go to and talk and get emotional support or go so to and ask about the experience. I'm so glad you said that. So rarely do we go there on this program and that is as much an important factor um, as the lifting in business. I mean, so 
we need to quit shaming those who need, need someone to talk to because everyone needs someone to talk to and women are more inclined to uh, women and men actually studies show that women and men are more inclined to reach out to women to have someone to talk to women are more empathetic we are more inclined to read people uh, we do a better job of detecting lies you know so i think that um as politically incorrect as it might be to say that women are more empathetic than men it is true it's true studies show that if you read any of daniel pink's uh, i guess it's his latest book called uh, a whole new mind i suggest everyone out there read that book he talks about the factors of future leadership and how the future belongs to right brain so you, what you're talking about is very, very important, how women need to be there for others, other women and other men, you know, and, and everyone, those who don't identify as either, actually, to, to have an open mind and an open heart to hear, you know, what are the roadblocks? What are the potholes? What are the things that are keeping you up at night, keeping you from achieving the things in your personal life as well as your professional life? So now, Svetlana, you know, I have your cell phone number. I'll be calling you those nights when I can't sleep. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. You're so great. And you know, I love it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you're so great to have said that. That's a really meaningful contribution to this conversation. Um, unexpected. Yeah. Very and nice. Interestingly, uh, recently, uh, the Club of Silicon Valley, we organized a panel for women and we had very interesting discussion and one of the panelists who is an uh, ip lawyer right now uh, working in nasa shared her life story and it was very impressive everybody saw that women like that successful women had they up and downs ups and downs and it's important to understand that and maybe that helps other women to obtain more confidence yeah well, part of the reason I do this show is so that, and, and, and look, I do this show because I want to give a voice to women like yourselves to be your authentic selves and to share the good and the bad, not just uh, when, when I host events and I have women like yourself speak. And when I host these podcasts, I have guests like yourself speak. I make certain to tell you, be yourself, be real, tell the truth about the good and the bad and everything in between. Because what I don't want is you or someone else to get up there and talk about your title, how successful you are, the money you make, and not be relatable to the real world audience who's still making their way because that's unrealistic and it makes them feel like, well, you know, I'm not her. I can never be her. I, you know, what they want to hear is how did you get to where you are, good and bad, because it's not easy for any of us. The IP lawyer from um, NASA told you the truth about her path. It probably made everyone in the room feel like, oh, I experienced a little bit of that too. So the fact that she got through it gives me hope that I can too, or maybe I can seek advice from her on how to get through what I'm going through. So I love that genuine, you know, owning your story. Yeah, exactly. That's very important. Well, you bring me to this great, that's a great segue for the next question. You bring me to this place of being curious about, you know, you probably have had many with the, um, the, the global and international work that you do and the life that you've led. 
what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Yeah, that's a good question. I had many of them indeed, but I was trying to figure out um, which one is the biggest or the most significant. Uh, as I mentioned, when I moved to the U.S., I had been working for a business consulting firm and I was partnered there. And I didn't really need the bar exam in order to be comfortable and successful. But I decided that I wanted to practice law and go and sit for the bar. So California bar is three days bar exam. And it's challenging even for lawyers who, who are local and who have English language as a first language. Yeah. And it was definitely very challenging uh, for me because English is obviously the second language and I just did my master's degree here. Uh, and I, I failed it. And I was absolutely devastated. So I have a type A personality. I always have a drive for controller's success and finding out that I failed a bar exam was really world-breaking news to me. And at the same time, I realized that um, I have to make a choice. If I wouldn't go again for that, I wouldn't be able to practice law. And at the same time, if I decide to go for that, I have to put my two kids at that time, they were uh, nine and 12 years old through that process. Like, and I had full-time job. But I decided to do that and I passed the exam and I'm really happy that I did that, but it was a really hard experience. It is, I wanna tell the listeners out there, cause so many of you, I have listeners from all across the country. I checked the analytics and it's all across the country. So let me be clear. The California bar exam is the most difficult bar exam in this country. Uh, for those of you who know my husband, he's brilliant. He's a genius lawyer. He passes bar exams like they're nothing. He has not yet taken the California bar exam. And I'll tell you, I said to him, why not? He said, you know, I would actually have to prep for this one. It's the most difficult one in the nation. So I want to tell you that good for you for going um, to, to do this again, for giving it another shot, because that takes a lot of courage, and I'm glad that you did that. It's a very difficult bar exam, so thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Before we close out, I want to make sure everyone knows how they can reach you. So uh, my office is in San Francisco, 555 California Street. Uh, so if you want to reach me, probably the best way to do that is through LinkedIn or email. My email is svkam at primolaw.com. I will put all of that in the blog. I will put it in writing so people can reach out to you. You are fabulous. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye? No, I just want to thank you for having me here. It's a really amazing experience, and I appreciate the work you do for us. Thank you. Well, I can't wait to see you next, and thank you for being on the show today. Have a good day, everybody. Me too. Thank you.